Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I think one of the best advices is learn which advices not to take. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This episode is powered by the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program. We are helping enhancing the startup ecosystems in six different countries, four of which are based in the Balkans. And you get to meet really amazing people here. And not just that you share your know-how, you also get to learn a lot from these people here. My name is Nina Nikolic, and I am the Manager of Entrepreneurs in Residence and Ecosystem Facilitator for the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program here in Macedonia. Thank you so much for powering the Women in Tech podcast. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating and empowering women in tech around the world. Right now we are in Sofia, Bulgaria. Yes, and it is awesome here. Supposedly, it's supposed to be become the Silicon Valley of Eastern Europe. Crazy. And we have Elena here with us. Am I saying your name right, Elena? Yes, it's perfect. I'm pronouncing it yes. okay? It's so hard here for me to get the pronunciations. Um, so, okay, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Mm, so my name is Elena. Very nice uh, to be part of this podcast and to welcome you here in Bulgaria. I hope Thank that you. you like it. I do. Uh, our country is uh, super beautiful. The nature is amazing and the people living here and the people uh, having their own businesses and trying to change the community are amazing. So I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, so our company, Escreo, tries to help people be more creative and productive in the office space. And how we do that, we try to transform the walls in your office. And we do that by producing whiteboard paint. This is paint that makes any wall a whiteboard. So basically, you apply the paint on every smooth surface. It might be a wall, a table, a column, or any furniture. And then you can write on it with a simple whiteboard marker and erase the marker with a sponge. So we try to um, wake up the child in each one of us and to be open for spontaneous ideas and creativity. And Elena, when we were connecting uh, via the tech community, she said, you know, I'm concerned because I don't exactly have a tech company. I'm a founder of a company, but it's not a tech company. But when I watched her video on the product that she created, which is essentially, you know, uh, right board paint, and I'm like, okay, every single tech company in the world is obsessed with right boards in every kind of way. So my first question, well, first I said, no, definitely come on the show because we all need to know you exist. But my first question was, you know, what makes your paint different than all the competitive paint out there? 
So basically, we have a few competitive advantage, and I would divide them into categories. One would be strictly for the paint uh, as a chemical formula, and the other would be connected with other things. So if we compare our paint with other competitive products, our paint is eco-friendly, which means that it is water-based. And uh, compared to other products which are solvent-based or silicon-based, and then this allows us to have more diversity with the product itself. It allows you to have a lot of colors, which is amazing because from a customer's perspective, it allows you to have a customized solutions, which uh, whereas other competitors don't have this as a possibility. And then uh, the price is different from other competitors because we can sell you as much as you need. So it means that there are no leftovers and you buy what you need, uh, which in terms of um, in terms of price, it's better price and more efficient. So we ship everywhere around the world with uh, one day, next day delivery, which is also a great customer service and support. And every, wait a second, hold on. First of all, I did ask you in Messenger if it was worldwide and in the US, you said yes. Wait, but are you saying in Los Angeles, we could receive your paint in one day? day? No, yes. you're not saying that. Yes. Well, in 99% of the cases, if you order today, tomorrow it would be no. with, with your, at your address. If you order until noon. Yeah, no. we do that with DHL and it's flying all over the world. That's incredible. Yes, yes. Uh, because the fact that our uh, paint is water-based, this allows us to ship it. And actually, this is a super competitive advantage because otherwise people don't want to wait one week or even two days. Yeah. So you know how it is. And if you don't mind me asking, we don't usually get into this on the on the podcast, but it's interesting to your particular product. Do you have, um, what's it called, like uh, trademarks or license? Like how do you protect yourself against competitors? We have a trademark, which is protected us in terms of the name of the company but in, as an intellectual property we don't have a patent right now because we don't believe that this is going to protect us in the future we need to be more creative and innovative and add something which is really unique that is why we're thinking more into creating a VR scroll rooms in the future and not just concentrate on the technology of the paint itself and actually our new products are not paint um they are movable walls because yeah. we see that the trends in the office space is going into having um, more um, glass, yeah. glass boards. Yeah, yeah. So we need to, to think outside of the paint, let's right, say right. like that. Ah, interesting. Getting back to the paint, though, I know I've been wanting to redo the We Are LA Tech office in Los Angeles for a while. Can you give us some tips and tricks on how to paint our tech offices effectively like is there something that you see people doing that's really innovative or I don't know I mean this if you guys think this isn't interesting for it's definitely interesting for me because I definitely would love to have something I mean it, to get an idea of who I am my bathroom mirror at home full of of notes bedroom mirror full of notes I'd love my office to be full of of jotting notes yeah, I uh, thank you for the question. Actually, the tech companies are really our, they were our early adopters and our best clients because we see the tech people and, for example, software engineers, they're the ones that really need a lot of space to write. And actually, comparing to the old school whiteboards and other boards, uh, IT people need more space for visualization because this is the only way they can construct their processes. They can use the wall for their Scrum, Agile, Lean uh, project management tools. So it's a 
perfect solution for for uh, team leaders and uh, people that are that need a lot of space for visualization. But uh, basically, what I say about our product it is that it is genius and very simple at the same time. And I think this is the 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 road to innovation. Um, so the idea is that most of our clients use their walls in their conference rooms, of course, but not only. They use it in their corridors and even in their kitchens and even in their toilets because uh, we believe that spontaneous ideas are born everywhere. And actually, they're not born in the conference rooms, but mostly they're... In the born, shower. Yeah, where, where, <laughs> where there's collaboration. And, you know, yeah. collaboration happens in informal meetings. And this is where all the offices are going. They want to create um, atmosphere in the office like you feel at home. So you can paint your tables and you can paint your desks so mm. when you have an idea you don't need to stand up and go to the conference rooms and stand in front of the whiteboard but just write it down next oh, to you wow. and then if there's a column next to you that just doesn't have a purpose now you can make add a functionality to it and just write some uh, they you, it's not you don't need to use this only for work you can use it to wish a happy birthday to somebody or just play games with somebody or just uh, the, the manager can ask some question to its employees, to his employees. So basically you can play around with it and just feel like everything is allowed. I love that I could even like paint my dresser in my bedroom and then start scribbling. Okay, so enough technicalities. If you want to find out more about the paint itself and the specs, because I know this isn't what the podcast is about, but I'm just really interested myself, um, where can people find out more? They can find in our website, www.escreo.com. They can chat with us because we are 24-7 there and uh, we will be happy to answer any questions. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. And can you spell Escreo? Yes, E-S-C-R-E-O. Perfect. Getting into what this podcast is about, you. Are you a solo founder? No, we are four co-founders all together and six people in the team. And um, who thought of this idea? We, uh, me and my, when I'm answering this, this question, I always say that we got together first as a team uh, and then the idea was born. So basically we went to an entrepreneurship program in the U.S. with two of my co-founders. It was something like a mini MBA program. So we went to Babson, Silicon Valley, New York. It was an amazing experience. What's it called? Uh, the name of the program is SEP, Summer Entrepreneurship Program. Um, un unfortunately, now it doesn't run mm -hmm. anymore. But uh, it was like a school for entrepreneurs. Right. And it was super amazing. And when we came back to Bulgaria a few years ago, it was in 2013, all of us wanted to start our own business. So we were inspired and we got together as a team and we tried a couple of ideas that actually weren't connected with the paint. And they failed for different reasons. And then uh, one of uh, my co-founders remembered that he saw some crazy Americans writing on the walls. And this was something very... We are very, crazy Americans. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but this in, in Bulgaria was like people were, didn't know about this category yeah. at all. And we tried to connect with them to become their distributors in yeah. Bulgaria, but they... Uh, they just didn't pay any attention. Right. Where is Bulgaria in the yeah. in the map? Yeah, nobody knew about yeah. Bulgaria. So we tried other uh, other ways, and then by coincidence and by luck, we met our fourth co-founder, who is a professional. Um, technologist and um, has a professional experience in the production of paints 
And he uh, made our own technology, basically. We applied for funding and we were accepted in one of the accelerator programs here in Bulgaria. And uh, actually, it was very funny because nobody had invested in paint company. So we were with all these innovative IT companies and tech entrepreneurs, and we were just uh, offering paint. But the thing is that I think that technology is part of every business. So, okay, I I might say I'm not a tech uh, uh, founder, but... uh, I think it's part of our business, nevertheless. I, I personally feel your company is a part of our tech culture. I do. Um, and what's the accelerator program you went through in Bulgaria? The name of the the name of the f- venture fund it's Eleven, and uh, they just now had uh, another investment in other young companies. So they're one of the leading. Uh, together with Launch Hub and other investors here in Bulgaria. They help the community very, the ecosystem. That's awesome. And we were talking about how uh, Bulgaria, or is it Sofia specifically, or just Bulgaria as a whole's position to be the Silicon Valley of Eastern Europe? Is it Bulgaria as a whole or Sofia? And, and how real is that? Well, I would say Sofia is the center and uh, most of the young people and companies are based in Sofia. But I just had a very interesting meeting last week. There was the startup summit here happening in Sofia where a lot of diplomats and European um, Commission representatives uh, visited Sofia. And one of the discussions was actually how to boost the ecosystems in other cities in Bulgaria. So I would say Sofia, Varna, and Plovdiv uh, are the biggest cities that drive uh, the innovation and the entrepreneurship spirit in Bulgaria. And I've been hearing amazing things about Bansko. Bansko? Yeah. Uh, well, there are a lot of things happening there. I just now remember that there is a tour of Bansko. And I know it's a ski and uh, snowboard uh, place. Um, this is this is what I know about <laughs> Bansko. Apparently, bang, Bangsco co-working is like the the it place. I saw an article somewhere that someone was calling it the Chiang Mai uh, <laughs> for digital nomads of Europe. Uh, you know, Chiang Mai is where all the digital nomads go in Asia. So it's supposedly the Chiang Mai of Europe. We shall see. I, I'll be headed there tomorrow. And yeah. so, um, okay, so you have four co-founder, four founders altogether, right? How... First of all, how do you make it work? Like, how do you guys make a decision together? Who who wears what hat and what is the hat that you wear? I think uh, it's one of the challenges that we have is that when you have a lot of co-founders, I mean, four is really a lot, whatever we say. Uh, and um, we try to communicate and have... Um, um, how to say votes when we have something that is really challenging to decide uh, but m- in most cases we also change hats which helps us a lot to put in each other's shoes um, but we take decisions for the for the spheres that we we are responsible for for example I am responsible for marketing one of the founders is responsible for operations and the other one for sales right. so of course in most cases the decisions are made together and uh, sometimes it's hard but we should have thought about it from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and how long has Escreo been around so far? since 2015 three years and it's pretty amazing and you have you said six employees yeah we or are six people on the team all yes, together yes we're six people in the team we are growing uh, so we try to 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 
to be smart uh, because uh, uh, it's not very easy to sell physical product and to no. uh, and to grow. It's not like uh, you are putting your app in some of the stores and then you have millions of subscribers. It's just a different business and we need to be really persistent and have a lot of patience. And sometimes it's uh, it's hard, but that's the road we took. Are you profitable? Yes, we are profitable, actually. and uh, So you can't go to America then because Americans don't want profitable companies. I know. <laughs> we, we're not. We work. You know, we, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it's just a different business. And I should... One that be, actually makes money. I should, I should be realistic about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like to read about the unicorns and everybody comparing me with the unicorns. I just say we're a different thing. And I read there was one very interesting concept about what kind of a startup you are and that there are three different types of a startup. Let me see if I can remember them. One of them was uh, um, the ones that are not profitable and they're like trying to go for the investment and yeah. have a different uh, concept. The other was a lifestyle start yeah, yeah, startup yeah. that just uh, has a small store, let's say, for the family. And right. then there are the bootstrapping startups. I think we're in, the, in this bootstrapping mm -hmm. part where we try to get our revenues and try to be smart with the money. Totally. I'm a, I'm a bootstrapping startup now, but my previous company was uh, an investor startup. And I was talking on a different podcast episode that the entrepreneur that I admire most in the world is Jason Fried with Basecamp. Are you familiar with Basecamp? Yeah. Project? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just really love like his culture behind how to build a business. So because I look up to him so much, I was like, that I'm going to just stay on the Jason Fried track. What would Jason Fried do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, unfortunately, from time to time, everybody compares to others. And it's part of uh, the life that the world we live in. But uh, also we need to take part and uh, take time to realistically look at each at our businesses and each other and just say what we did good, what we did bad, and just reflect and learn yeah. from, from our mistakes. What's the biggest obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? I think in Bulgaria, the biggest uh, challenge was how to introduce an innovative product that nobody knew and just to how to present the category. I think it is for most startups, of course, they have the same challenge. But at the beginning, when we were trying to sell our product, nobody knew this concept exists. So most of the people just said, what kind of a paint is this? Uh, is it just the simple latex, ordinary right. paint? So we just needed to educate our audience about the whole category and then to try to tell them it's better than whiteboards and other um, alternatives that there are on the market. But I think that we are doing this very well. And I think that one of the things that helped us was our mentors and the people that really m helped us make the connections and our network and our personal um involvement and speaking with our customers, getting their feedback. Actually, a lot of the customers helped us in the creation of our brand. Uh, so this is very important. How long did it take for you to become profitable? Uh, almost one year and a half. Not very long. Yeah, not very long. So I bet it felt long. Yeah, it felt very, very long. <laughs> how, did, how did you do that initial marketing? We did by going to events. 
this helped us a lot. We spoke with people, we showed them a lot of samples and we had uh, some boards where we painted because with our product, it helps for, pers to, for people to try it really, to write on it, to have the feeling of writing on the wall. This helps a lot. And also we sent a lot of samples. For example, for the big offices in Sofia, we sent a sample where people can paint one wall mm. where they can test it, they can try it, they can see how it is. And in most cases, they just come back and say, I, I want the whole office painted. Yeah, but then how, where did you get the, did you guys use your savings? Where did you get the money, one, to develop the product, and then two, to even afford to be able to send out samples? Uh, the, or, and yeah. three, to be able to participate in the events, the event ticket, the event sponsorship, however you pay. Yeah. All three things. How did you afford yeah. those? Uh, in the, the initial um, investment were our own money. So we just had savings that we just spent to start to have the pilot product to test it. Then the investment helped us a lot. Then we had a second investment and a couple of angel investors, which also helped us grow our business outside of Bulgaria. Uh, but then but the events themselves, most, in most cases, were for free because we had our mentors and our accelerator and our venture fund and angel investors helping us with introductions and uh, Sofia is not a very huge um, city. So yeah. here in most cases, everybody knows each other. But, but what is important, this is another concept, probably you have um, had it in other podcasts, is that uh, the perfect time to be an entrepreneur, sometimes it's not at 18 or 19, but at, after you're 30 or after you're 25 seventh or eighth year because right. you already have some professional connections so most of us already had had a very good network of right. people and we have good relations with these yeah. people so when you start your venture you can call them and it's going to be very easy to meet these people and to for them to help you. You know, I heard there's this guy, this manager of Justin Bieber, his name is Scooter Braun, and he's this really prolific businessman. And I heard on an interview, I think it was with Gary Vaynerchuk, and he said the most unknown statistic is that the most successful uh founders it could even be first time i think it was just the most successful founders in general were like in their 40s or something like way later than what we perceive as a culture and because what we perceive is by 21 you're having your company acquired and apparently that's not true yeah and also europe is different than the u.s uh exactly when we talk about what is success how you measure success mm -hmm. and uh, here in europe the 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 investments are not the same like in the us and the speed is not the same as the one in the us so we should always take this into consideration sometimes when i'm speaking with other entrepreneurs here in bulgaria and in europe in most of the discussions we say we need to be more brave we right. need to be more open we are a little bit shy and we don't believe that much in ourselves when we speak with other people with media or with investors from the us right whereas in the us sometimes even if you don't have the brightest idea or the experience you're just Go out there right. and you just put it everything. So I I admire this. I admire the U.S. entrepreneurs for this fact. So you're a part of Rails Girls as well. Yeah. So uh, I can say that in Bulgaria, happening a lot of nice projects and programs regarding 
women in tech and Rails Girls is one of the most successful and I'm really proud to be part of. Actually, it started uh, 11 editions ago. I don't remember the year, but the idea is that it's a free workshop for um, women, girls, it doesn't matter what the age is, that doesn't have any skills in programming. And the event is to help them learn some new skills on Ruby on Rails as a programming and then to have fun. And uh, it's an amazing project with a lot of corporate sponsoring it and a lot of people participating. It has started in Finland by one lady, Linda Lucas, and uh, another guy. And it's one of the most successful projects in Bulgaria. It's amazing. And do you code as well? Uh, Just a little bit, but, but not. No, unfortunately. So what is it that you get out of being a part of Rails Girls? First, the the people that are part of the organization team are amazing. And then the atmosphere and the energy during the event is uh, absolutely crazy because the ladies that don't have any idea what is going to happen, they have robots that they um, program and then they use them to play games. And uh, it's just a wonderful experience. And we'll include Rails Girls in the show notes as well so you could explore that. Um, How can people look you up? How can people connect with you? They can find me in Facebook and LinkedIn in my email. Can you spell spell it? Yes. So my name is E-L-E-N-A-N-I-K-O-L-O-V-A. Elena Nikolova. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. And what is your favorite app or uh, website or hardware? I'm a big fan of Headspace, which is up for meditation. meditation, It's absolutely amazing. So I would definitely recommend it. It's funny. I discovered it in Paris and now they're in L.A. I don't know if they have even more divisions than that now. I think they have. They they have. I I use Headspace for a long time. And um, one last question. Have you been on a podcast before? Yes. That's exciting. So most women in tech um, are uh, that have been on the show have never been on a podcast before. So it's exciting that like to hear. I think the more that we're out there and we get ourselves out there, sometimes I wonder if we're just um, not putting ourselves out there. Like we're not showing up to the opportunity. Um, but regardless, I'm happy that I could be a part of the movement and or whatever you want to call it and, and, you know, celebrating women in tech worldwide. And I appreciate you making time. It's late at night. You've been working all day and you drove out of your way to be on the show. And I'm just so, so, so grateful. Best piece of advice you've gotten, you think? Oh, my God. It's a, I always it's a revert to question. mom. I'm always like mom's advice. <laughs> I think one of the best advices is learn which advices not to take. That That's really good advice. No, that's really, really good advice. Because something that I say when you're a new entrepreneur, everybody knows the quote unquote right thing to do. And then what you discover as you become more seasoned is that everybody has an opinion of what the right thing to do is. You could ask like a hundred of the smartest people in the world, the right thing to do. And you will get, you know, several different answers, which means your intuition is your Oracle. Like you need to follow your own path, your own journey, figure out for you what is right in the situation. There is no right or wrong way. I believe the only right way is really, um, being a, uh, I know it sounds so cheesy, but being a kind hearted person doing the right thing by others. But other than that, you just have to like, maneuver around we all have a different set of circumstances and a different set of resources and uh 
Like, success can't be replicated in the same way as it happened for someone else, right? Yeah, I believe so, too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, be sure to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight to the Facebook group. And say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Elena Nikova. I'm a co-founder and CMO of Escreo. It's a startup that helps people be more creative and productive in the office by transforming the walls around them. We produce whiteboard paint that makes any wall a whiteboard of a new generation. I'm based in Sofia, Bulgaria, and you're listening to Women in Tech podcast. It would not be possible to celebrate all these women in tech who have been extraordinary here in the Balkan region without the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program. And I'd like to welcome Nina to talk a little bit about what Swiss EP is. Thank you so much for powering the Women in Tech podcast. We are helping enhancing the startup ecosystems in six different countries, four of which are based in the Balkans. We are working in emerging markets and supporting young entrepreneurs, but also the supporting organizations like Incubator Accelerator. We started a program called Entrepreneurs in Residence, which means that experts can come and work with our startup founders here and startup teams and supporting organizations. We cover accommodation and travel expenses. And you get to meet really amazing people here. And not just that you share your know-how, you also get to learn a lot from these people here. My name is Nina Nikolic, and I am the manager of Entrepreneurs in Residence and ecosystem facilitator for the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program here in Macedonia. To find out more about the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program, go to entrepreneur-in-residence.net. That's entrepreneur-in-residence.net. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.